Welcome to the Inspirational Australians podcast, where we chat to people making a difference in their communities and in the lives of others. And here is your host for today, Jeff Griffin. Welcome to the Inspirational Australians podcast, stories of inspiring achievements and community contribution. Every week, we will celebrate an award program category winner or finalist. We hope you'll be inspired and encouraged to know that Australia is in good hands. Together with our corporate partners and not-for-profit partners, Awards Australia showcase ordinary people from right across Australia doing extraordinary things. If you enjoy hearing the stories of our inspirational Australians, please subscribe, rate us and review us. We'd really appreciate it. Hi, everyone. We're really glad to have your company today for this week's podcast. My guest today is dedicated to helping people with Parkinson's disease. Nikki Kreeber won the 2019 Australia Pacific LNG Community Hero Award from a very, very big field of nominees, in fact, for a work to give the very best opportunity for people with Parkinson's to live their best life by providing support and equality they deserve. Congratulations, Nikki, and welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you. I'm very pleased to be here. Thank you, Jeff. Nikki, 150 nominations in one category. Wow. I didn't know that. So I guess that puts into some perspective the value of your work as seen uh, by the judges and certainly your peers and the people that you support. So another big congratulations. It is a massive massive uh, achievement. Uh, it's a validation, I guess, but you, know, you are an extraordinary woman. We are very thankful for people like you. Nikki, you have Parkinson's disease yourself, which must give you a real empathy and a first-hand understanding of what people with the disease need. I believe it does, Jeff, but before I answer that, you alluded to something before about Parkinson's disease, and I guess part of our problem is that Parkinson's is a hidden disease. So I'll just take a moment to explain. There's idiopathic Parkinson's disease, which is normal what people expect to see when they see someone with Parkinson's, and that's somebody bent over and with a tremor or a bad shake. But there are 15 other variants of Parkinson's disease, and I have one of them called multiple system atrophy, which means that the disease affects me differently and a lot more internally. So I don't have an external tremor but I have a lot of other difficulties that come with it. I just want to put it out there that Parkinson's disease is not readily known or understood. The understanding it gives me for helping others with Parkinson's is, is a little unique, I think, because I, I understand how difficult it is to get through every day for people with Parkinson's and how to su support and assist them. Your world narrows and your connection with the world narrows down as you as the disease progresses and that that disconnect causes you to withdraw into yourself and often people say oh, I never see that person with Parkinson's they don't go out anymore they don't do this they don't and it's because of the the symptoms that overwhelm us like drooling very unattractive in a public place <laughs> or moving very difficultly so in a cafe you can't move around tables and chairs um, that sort of thing so uh, it's it's a disease that I want to get a lot more awareness out there about 
I certainly never realised that in its full description that you've given 15 variants of Parkinson's disease. And yes, I guess we relate to things that we see yeah, clearly. So awareness is so important for diseases like Parkinson's. Can you explain what the impact of living with Parkinson's disease has on those that haven't? I and mean, I guess you just gave a couple of examples, but can you uh, expand on that? I surely can. When I said 15 variants, there's some that it's 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 considered an autoimmune disease now, so it's on a, um, a spectrum, and in that 15 variants, some become quite... Um, serious and can cause quite a short life and the onslaught of symptoms can be very fast and progressive and debilitating so this disease is degenerative it's debilitating and it's progressive so it's not as if it's going to kill us jeff which makes it less pretty than a lot of other or less attractive than a lot of other diseases it's the living with it that is really really difficult and the impact is just so huge because it really depends on two things I've come down to believing, and that's um, about mindset. It's about how you see yourself, whether you see yourself as a victim or with something else new to contend with in your life. And the other part of it is how are you going to live? Are you going to go into that good night quietly or are you going to remain the one in charge of your life? Not let Parkinson's take charge. Um, not let Parkinson's be in the driver's seat, but you take back conscious control of your life. And the symptoms, are they come in three areas, motor, non-motor and neurological. So motor can take away your mobility. Non-motor can affect your voice, and I apologise in advance if my voice gets a bit wavery through our interview. It can affect your swallowing. It can affect your breathing because all of these tiny muscles, 500 of them around the throat area, are involved in speaking, swallowing, uh, managing your saliva and breathing, and they can become conflicted. The vagus nerve travels from the head to the toe down the right side of our body, and it can be impacted by Parkinson's um, and we know we've got as many neurotransmitters in the brain as in our gut so our gut gets conflicted when dopamine is not operating in our system because it's a neurotransmitter too so a lot of people have digestive problems and then aligned with that of course they have elimination problems bladder and bowel control problems and then there's the neurological <laughs> part of it where you think you're going crazy your short-term memory can be impacted you can doubt yourself you lose your sense of confidence you get brain fog cloudy thinking headaches so the range of symptoms is huge and impacts on every aspect of our lives yeah it does sound quite significant and having different types of symptoms must make it more complicating or people like yourself, because, of course, you volunteered in the role of coordinator for the Tewantan. I hope I said that yes, right. That's correct. The Tewantan Noosa Parkinson's support group for four and a half years. So that's significant. That would have complicated how you relate to people 
Um, of course, at first sight, you wouldn't know the symptoms. You have to get to know the people and have them confident, I guess, to talk to you about how Parkinson's affects them. What were the group's major responsibilities and achievements during that time? A support group is meant to be a very safe space for people that have a common concern to come together and share and feel enabled. So I first went to a support group when I was first diagnosed 16 years ago. I was early onset, so I was 48. And oh, I, I, I couldn't leave the room fast enough. I couldn't run fast enough because everyone in there was old, white-haired, on walkers. And, of course, the, the common presumption about Parkinson's is that it's an old people's disease. Well, that is not true. But that was my viewpoint when I walked into this room. I just saw all oldies on walkers and I saw my future and it terrified me. So it was another 11 years before I got involved in a, in a support group. But in that time, I realised that support groups were meant to be many things. Offer some education, offer support, offer friendship, offer connection. Um, and connection is really important because people with Parkinson's withdraw from the community, both for the neurological aspects, but also because when you start to find it very difficult to find your mouth and to eat in public, people don't like to do that. So they retreat um, to their homes and then your close-knit community of visitors and friends that would come, that dies down over time too. So I wanted the support group to offer everything it could. And we have, we've done amazing things. We've built a wraparound team of allied health professionals um, and a friendship base and a support network. And it's been it's been wonderful. And But of course, these things go through waves. Last year, we lost five members of our elder group and that was very hard on the group um, because of course everything that you see is in front of you personally when you you know see people with uh, other people with Parkinson's yes. that are down the track than you but we also learn a lot from each other and it's wonderful. Yeah, it would be wonderful to be there as a support for each other to tell each other your highs and lows yes uh, but you're quite right you know and I I hear that from older people, my parents, for example, whose friends are passing away and they, their mortality becomes more real every day. And if you're in a group where your friends, people that you lean on and vice versa are passing, it does become very real and, I guess, scary, for want of a better word. We you did do some amazing things, though. We drew the community together. We have a community face now, the Tawantanusa Parkinson Support Group, and we developed our wraparound teams, which is really novel and innovative, and we raised $6,000. We had two years of walk-in-the-park fundraising for Parkinson's um, Queensland, and that was the first time we'd done it up here, and that was fantastic. So we're a very active group in many ways. And I know you are a strong part of that, that group in leading the way, uh, and you mentioned the wraparound team that's been developed because because you're a great believer in movement, aren't you, being that key quality, uh, key to quality of life, and subsequently that's, I guess, how the wraparound team was developed. Can you tell us a bit more about the wraparound team, what's the focus and yeah. what really the benefits? 
it started from me realizing how expensive it is to have Parkinson's disease. The longer you have it, the more expensive it gets. It can cost anywhere between thirty and ninety thousand a year. Because that old adage, use it or lose it, is absolutely real. Once upon a time when people were diagnosed, they were told to go home and sit down and rest. And that was it, take your medication. So people took up a sedentary life in front of the TV and very, very quickly they went downhill and lost the ability to move. Their whole body, their fine motor, their mobility generally... And I realised that we had to keep moving and the research tells us this. So um, the cost comes in trying to get to movement and exercise and gym often enough. And, you know, the costs are prohibitive. So we started out with the notion that we want to keep the cost down so our members could get to exercise four or five times a week and it was achievable. So... When I say exercise, that means everything. Speech therapy, exercising the mouth region, um, singing, exercising the voice and breathing. Um, we have a thing called Move It, which is a, a blend of PD Warrior and other big movements that are good for Parkinson's. Boxing every week and um, dance is wonderful. But we also do uh, Qigong and a variety of other things, yoga. So over time, we've built a relationship with allied health professionals who are willing to just charge us a base price for as long as we put together numbers enough for them to run once a week um, activity. And if, if the numbers aren't there, which comes and goes depending on how well people are and how mobile, then we, we boost it up from the group to make sure that we can keep access to these wraparound teams that are so important for our health. You find uh, your support or your members a bit transient in terms of their health? Does it go up and down? Yeah, because it's motor, non-motor and neurological, the three um, areas where your symptoms play up, often you can just feel too tired (laughs) or very sore from yesterday's activities and you can't rest yourself out of that position. And with COVID, of course, last year, you know, we had to be so careful. We went online for a lot of our exercise classes, but that took a while to get underway. And lots of people, are still elderly people, are still very reluctant to do things online or they don't have enough technology to do it. So our group meetings can have 45 people there one month. The next month they'll have 22 or 18. It just depends on how well people are, whether they can get a carer to bring them, support workers to bring them, all of that, we go up and down and flux. Yeah. How does going to the gym, for example, weights and that type of exercise affect Parkinson? Is that counterproductive? In other words, is that uh, not a good thing? Uh, That's a really interesting question because amongst our group, we have the world title holder in powerlifting in his age group, which is 80. He weighs about um, 66 kilos and he lifts double his weight. And he's had Parkinson's for 11 years. And he is an absolute advocate that to live a good quality of life with Parkinson's, it is a a full-time job and exercise is the key. So for him, weightlifting, powerlifting was 
the thing that that enabled him to keep going. It was the magic exercise for him. For me, it's um, Kijong and dance and boxing and um, movement and walking and swimming. But those are the things that work for my body. Michael J. Fox put it this way. If you meet, you know, Michael J. Fox of the Michael J. Fox Foundation, a great great ambassador for Parkinson's disease, put it this way. If you meet one person with Parkinson's disease, then you've met one person with Parkinson's disease because the next person you meet will look altogether different. It is an individual disease because it's autoimmune-related. So whatever you love to do, Jeff, yoga. That is the thing that will probably work for you. But then it's a, ma- it's a matter of building up and getting yoga into your life on a consistent basis. So it's every day, every day, every day. You can't say, I go to gym once a week and I cycle on Saturdays. That will not do it. It is exercise every single day because our neural pathways are closing down because dopamine is not functional anymore in as a neurotransmitter doing its work Um, driving certain enzyme releases and so forth in our body. It's closing down. So we have to use synthetic dopamine or medication or what dopamine we've got left and exercise to drive the building of new neural pathways to stay alive and active and able to enjoy life. So exercise every day, the consistency of it will manage that for us. That's interesting. So what you're saying is exercise will potentially and possibly extend your life. Yes. Oh, it yeah. certainly extended mine. I saw a neural. Uh, I wasn't the subject of the neurologist's visit. I was there as an advocate. Yes. But the neurologist turned to me and said, what would you know about Parkinson's? And I said, I know about Parkinson's. I've been diagnosed for 16 years. He looked at me and said, you haven't got Parkinson's? And I said, Yes, I do. I'm diagnosed with MSA Parkinson's. He said, oh, you're totally misdiagnosed. You, you would have been dead years ago if you had MSA Parkinson's. Wow. And that just validated everything to me. The knowledge out there, even amongst specialists, is very um, non-embracive of, of a lots of different perspectives on autoimmune diseases. And if we decide to be in conscious control and we take up the challenge of finding something that works, that speaks to our body, works for our body, then we can slow down the progression of this disease. And I don't say I've cured it. I say I've retarded a lot of symptoms and slowed down the progression. Well, it sounds like you're an ambassador for... um for people to, as a, as a role model, to follow your example and your showcase of what you can do and how it can help you. It Would takes you... a lot of work, one and a half hours to two hours a day of exercise. Wow. <laughs> wow. I mean, it says a lot for everybody really, doesn't it? I mean, exercise is a key to longevity for all people. That's right. Let alone those who absolutely need it, mm. like yourself and people with Parkinson's. Were you... Um, I guess for everybody with uh, Parkinson's and other vulnerabilities through autoimmune dysfunctions, uh, a bit 
worried through COVID and, and any other outbreaks. Yeah. Well, we're, we're in a risk group and um, a lot of people just stopped going out. That was it. They couldn't go out into the world. And so the sense of disconnection became a lot more um, emotionally significant for them. And so I very quickly started, this was what I did with with our group, set up online Zoom meetings so that we could at least talk and see each other and I was sending out emails all the time. We've come through it really well, but it's left its scar, I think, on risk groups particularly that we, we have to be very, very careful and most of us are now quite reluctant to go into large groups and, you know, like sports events and things like that. Yes. Um, and will be for a good while, especially while these new variants are coming alive yeah. in our community. But it was a very scary time because um, Parkinson's people are, are, have to fight that disconnection and that withdrawal into their home all the time. So it really um, escalated that feeling amongst the community. Yeah, I guess COVID would have affected your support group and people with Parkinson's, as you say, in a whole, to a whole new level over that. Yeah, with carers. A lot of them have carers coming in from, you know, the community. And so that was very compromised for a little while, while carers, support workers, you know, had to, had to make decisions about whether they wanted to still operate and, you know, wearing face coverings and um, gloves. And it just changed everything quite yeah. significantly. And, being an older group, generally it took people a while to, to gather themselves and, and go on in a new way. We have our first meeting this week, actually, coming back this oh. year. So it'll be a good one because all of last year was written off to COVID, really. People didn't really come back strongly when, when you know, things were a bit safer. Well, I hope the, the meeting goes well. Together with your husband, you led a campaign to get a dedicated Parkinson support nurse for the Sunshine Coast. Were you successful? We were, indeed. The reason we went for um, getting a dedicated Parkinson support nurse is, interestingly enough, Queensland is the only place in Australia that doesn't have such a service in place in our health system. In the UK, they've had community Parkinson's nurses for many years and the ratio there is 1 to 68 people in the community, 1 nurse to 68 people. In Australia, a lot of our Parkinson's consultant nurses that are in situ um, around Australia might have a caseload of 200 to 500. Wow. So it's... we. When I realised we had no such capacity in, in Australia, I felt very, that this was a real case of inequity. So we looked into it and we ran an awareness-raising an awareness campaign and we actually named the Executive Director of the Sunshine Coast Health Service as our the name of our online um, survey, asking people if they thought we needed... <laughs> Parkinson's people in the community. We had over 2,800 signatures within a month and then we looked for how we could make this happen. And as it turned out, there was Nurse Navigator funding still rolling out from the government to the health department. So we kind of piggybacked. We made an expedient decision to piggyback on something that was there already. We wanted 
a community-based nurse like they have in other parts of the world where they run community clinics, they're available for home visits, they go into people's homes, they support them. They can make uh, tweak your medication, they can send you for testing. It often takes people 12 months to see a neurologist, a specialist in this country. So if you have a problem, it's very difficult. And if you go to emergency, you just don't get treated. They don't know anything about Parkinson's, unfortunately. So, um, mind you, there's been amazing inroads done to that in the last few years too. But anyway, we decided to ride on the back of nurse navigators. So we did eventually get it, and I believe every head of department in the Sunshine Coast region wanted that position. But fortunately, um, we didn't. Unfortunately, we didn't get it community based as we wanted. But in the Sunshine Coast region, we have a centre of excellence at the Mullaney Hospital called the Mullaney Motor Disorder Clinic. And um, that position went into that clinic. They have a waiting list of 700 people normally. It takes 12 months to get in there. So this did make a difference. It That nurse has been able to establish um, more telehealth services and, and a lot more access once you're in the, in the system. So it's been a good thing, but not what we wanted, <laughs> quite. I know you're still fighting, aren't you, for yes. um, for additional special, specialist Parkinson's community nurses? How is that progressing? Are you seeing light at the end of the tunnel for that? Well, COVID just stopped everything last year. Unfortunately, we were just setting up relationships with our state members and government and so forth, and and COVID just put a stop to that. So, um, in that time, we have incorporated. Uh, a not-for-profit association that's um, becoming a charity and we're driving it from that point. So we are going to government right at the moment. We're seeking their um, funding or part funding for three specialist nurses. Now, why three? Because we have over 4,000 people on the Sunshine Coast with Parkinson's disease. It's a large number, but then all around the country, I think our numbers are being underrated. Um, and... We, we happen to have three hospitals in our um, health district, so there would be one attached to each hospital, to that locality sort of thing. And we are that we, this time they will be community-based. Awesome. Some fingers crossed that all comes together <laughs> that we can get access to the services that they need and deserve, of course, as well. Well, you're also part, and you mentioned it a bit earlier, part of the Parkinson's disease community advocacy Sunshine Coast. Tell us more about the role, we touched on it, but more about the role of the group. Well, the role of the group is our task, as we have defined it. We're a very tight group. We have built the association and we have a very tight committee and working group um, membership, and our task is threefold. It's to campaign with the state government to um, obtain these three nurses. We're working on ways to offset the cost of that to the government. So we're looking for private philanthropy and, you know, business sponsorships and so forth to help us do that. We want these nurses to be seen as a pilot study for regional Queensland so that they're community-based, they can work in the field, they're mobile, 
they're um, in liaison with the emergency departments of the hospitals and with an overseeing neurologist specialist in Parkinson's, framing it in the way of a, a three-year study um, to measure their efficacy and see if it makes a difference to a regional community to have this resource. So that's how we're presenting it to the government. And then the third aspect is to set up an independent um, Parkinson's Community and Respite Centre on the Sunshine Coast. It's terrifying. If somebody with Parkinson's goes to a hospital, they, their medication is taken from them. It's incredibly important that somebody with Parkinson's has their medication at, you know, five past 12 when they're meant to have it, not at half past 12 or not at quarter to one because they've already gone into an off period and tremendous dyskinesia and which is ungovernable movement of the body can take over, like tremendous shaking and twitching and all sorts of things. So we find that a lot of emergency departments have no expertise with Parkinson's. So the person goes in and they're left to sit there for hours. When they get finally in and treated, they ask for their medication. It takes another amount of time to come. And then they end up being kept in hospital for the longest time because their medication being upset puts them back. And so patients with Parkinson's, amongst all types of illness, measured in hospitals stay in the longest, therefore cost the most. So if we can bring these three Parkinson's nurses into the community, they cut by three-quarters admission to hospitals by being in the community, being available, and people can get to them and get immediate help and support. So um, we're going to frame it as a three-year study and, and present it back to the state, hoping that it provides something that's useful to other regional areas. No wonder you're so passionate about it. The task is sounds immense in some ways, but so important. And people can support the Parkinson's disease community advocacy, Sunshine Coast, by joining the mailing list to keep yes. up to date, as well as check out the Parkinson's disease community advocacy website. And that is, uh, tell us the the website it's, it's just that parkinson's disease community advocacy.com.au sure. and um the facebook page is parkinson's community community advocacy semicolon sunshine coast so we're really interested in people following us saying hello and following us to to keep up with what's going on we've had some tremendous inroads in the last couple of years um with Parkinson's nurses in other states getting um, services into emergency departments that have made a real difference. So we're keen to have that happening in Queensland. I think it's a great thing to be to be following the uh, community advocacy group from wherever you are in Australia, but certainly if you're in Queensland and certainly if you're anywhere near the Sunshine Coast, get on board to see what's going on, what can be done and certainly what still needs to be done. Uh, all power to you. That sounds amazing. Now, heading in a slightly different direction, you've been doing amazing work. And I know you, you don't look for accolades because people like you just do it because it needs to be done. There's a challenge. There's, a, there's something that is missing and it needs to be filled. But how did you feel when you were nominated for the 2019 Australia Pacific LNG Community Hero Award in the first place? I felt 
really, truly humbled. And then a feeling of, of great gladness came over me that the community could see the need for this hidden disease to be illuminated and brought into the foreground. I just felt very humbled and then very glad. Yeah, well, that's that's lovely. And that's what the awards are all about, really, is just giving people an opportunity to acknowledge someone for their really good work in the community. People like you, as I mentioned, don't look for accolades, but it's just so lovely to know that someone appreciates what you're doing, that your work is validated by someone saying, you know what, I think they're so good and what they're doing is tremendous and we really should say thank you via this vehicle. So I'm so pleased to hear you say that. And, of course, you then went on to make the finals, which was awesome, and you attended the awards gala presentations at the Royal on the Park. We weren't able to do that last year due to COVID, but uh, in 2019 you were there. I remember you coming up on stage, uh, and it was hosted by the amazing Kendall Gilding. She is just a lovely wonderful person she looks after the and reads the 4 p.m news updates on seven and of course uh, does reporting as well and she wouldn't miss the awards for anything in fact when she was pregnant she yeah. still wanted to be there she, she was you know um not too far away from baby and you know and that says a lot about her and seven, of course, seven news. But the uh, she she hosted the awards. You were presented as a finalist, and later you were announced as the winner by Alex Kennedy Clark, who was the general manager of Origin. That must have been such a thrill for you. It was totally unexpected. When I met the others in contention who were there that night, it just met, made me feel absolutely amazed by what people can achieve their stories so I was truly flummoxed truly taken aback when when it was announced and interestingly enough there's been two occasions uh in the last couple of years when I've completely lost my voice due to Parkinson's you start to speak and your voice just cuts out the muscles just stop working that was one when I met the health minister in Queensland in a regional cabinet up here and then and before that that was afterwards and that night when I stepped up <laughs> onto the stage and Alex the general manager of origin started to speak and paused for me to speak no voice yes and I said whispered to her could you please read my speech <laughs> it was so funny but then my voice came back up for a little while but that's the impact of Parkinson's. It's totally overwhelming and it comes at any time out of left field. And, you know, I work on my voice. I have vocal coaching to keep my voice going because it will just fade away. It is one of my Parkinson's symptoms. But that night it just went boom. And there's nothing that will take your confidence away than losing your voice. Yes. And that is another aspect of why I do this work while I can. And that night, it, it's a beautiful event, just so lovely, and you feel so special. And it's big, and there's people from all over the state, and it's amazing the people you come across and the people you meet. It's a great networking night as well. And it's so beautifully um, orchestrated. 
and so welcoming. It was just a fantastic night. And then to get the award as well was just over the top. Cherry on the cake, as they say. <laughs> I think as organisers, and I've been doing this for a long time, running award programs, it's such a special privilege to be in a room with so many champions and to meet people like to see yourself and to see the absolute um, thrill of being awarded. You know, it's not just about winning, of course, but it's been about being recognised and it's about what you do being recognised by the community and opening up access and awareness for what you do. Has winning the award, uh, the award helped your work? Initially, there was a lot of um, media interest and that was great, but then COVID hit. Yeah. Timing's <laughs> everything. Yeah, I, I sort of felt like the year was taken away from me in some ways because there was, although I kept up my local um, awareness raising work, there was not a lot that could be done against me, the media coverage of COVID. So I really feel now that, you know, it was a COVID year. It wasn't a year about being community hero. Um, so I feel very enthused and empowered to carry on this year as if it is my year, <laughs> not to take away from the current winner, but, you know, um, in terms of my local work and, and getting on with our vision. Well, for what you do, it's always your year. You are so important to the community, so we, we wish you well this year, but um, I'm so pleased you got good media exposure and, of course, that gives credibility as well. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And and the outcome of the year is that Parkinson's, uh, Dewantan Noosa Parkinson's Support Group has a community face now, which yeah. is great, which is great. And we're working a lot more closely with a lot of community, other community groups now, which is also phenomenal. So that's a very positive outcome. Yeah, brilliant. I think back to that awards night and big shout out to Fraser Power at Australia Pacific LNG. So he is a huge fan of these awards. He attends every judging, every awards night. And uh, Fraser and Australia Pacific LNG are very passionate about supporting those like you in the community that make a difference. Nikki, and uh, I, I see his face because it's always beaming. He sits at these awards nights and, I, and his face is beaming with pride mm. for their involvement in making these moments special for people like yourself, uh, special in the sense that uh, you get the opportunity to, to be acknowledged and put on a pedestal for the important work you're doing. So big shout-out, Fraser, if you're listening, mate. So thank you so much to you on Australia Pacific. And I'd yeah. like to add to that too because yes. a great um, supporter of ours has been the our um, Noosa State MP, Andy Bolton. She was my invited guest that night, and, of course, being an MP, something came up. She couldn't make it at the last minute. And um, so she was texting me as, oh. <laughs> and she was blowing me back texts, you know, wonderful, wonderful. And Fraser walked up behind me and quietly introduced himself. And I didn't really, it was very noisy. <laughs> I, and I got up to hear him better. And I found myself surrounded by this whole group of people and that I hadn't expected. And Fraser has offered some wonderful mentoring help in the year since, and I'm very, very thankful to his personal interest and his commitment to voluntary 
work in this country. He's he's an awesome volunteer himself and has been for a lot of years. And a lot of thanks to um, Australia Pacific LNG who support this because, you know, the, the figures are frightening. Without volunteers, and that's what community heroes are, we're volunteers who do this from a passionate base. Without volunteers supporting Australia, I don't know where we'd be because the volunteerism in Australia is at a tremendously high level right across the, the range of services and the gamut of things that could happen. And um, I was just so, so amazed by the Community Hero Award that was about volunteerism. Yeah, it's a very special award. And a big shout-out to all of our partners, in fact, who are focused on giving back to the community. When times are tough, uh, there are a lot to go missing uh, in terms of their budgets, but uh, we do thank all of our partners for the dedication that they make towards uh, making these awards possible. There are plenty out there mm-hmm. who want to give back, so we we do thank everybody. And, and sometimes they get a bit of a bad rap, like Seven News, you know, you're all negative and stuff, but they support these awards and our Seven News Young Achiever Awards because they do want to make a difference and they do want to give back and they do want to take the opportunity where it presents such as these awards to actually acknowledge people and give them that opportunity. And if anybody is listening out there and in your business or the business you work for gives back to the community, would like to, let us know because we're certainly always looking for partners for our awards and it is an opportunity to not only get good brand alignment with the community but also to give back most importantly and uh, make a difference for people like Nikki. And I think, you know, the whole range of awards gives an element to our culture and society that is good, humanitarian-based, altruistic. It is the best of us. It is looking outward. It is looking outward to our community, embracing everything that's happening. Because sometimes we can get very self-centred in our society, the way we live now, and these awards and the businesses that sponsor them are really important as an aspect of Australian life, I think. Yes, thank you, Nikki. What's something that we might not know about you? (laughs) Oh, dear. I'm a workaholic, that's obvious, but equally I have to close down and get my hands dirty to nourish myself to do that outside work. So I love renovating and I love gardening. And I've just taken up paddle boarding stand up paddle boarding so that's exciting (laughs) adventurous well yes i fall off a lot because balance (laughs) is one of my issues but yeah it's exciting (laughs) Uh, it's great to do something different and um, that is certainly something that i haven't tried i'm a little bit fearful of falling off all the time so good on you for tackling (laughs) it sorts of driving passions that make you tick I've just thought about this recently. My dad was in Lions International for 44 years. Power to him. He was so service orientated. That's how we were brought up, that you need to give back to your community. You need to volunteer and be out there doing things for your community, and that's what makes community better. I can still drive down around the south side of Brisbane and say, yes, he was part of building that toilet block, part of building those swings in that park, part of 
you know, the Lions Barbecue shared at this park. Just amazing contributions that we we take for granted. But that's where I learned my belief that every single one of us can make a difference and should contribute to our community. Beautifully said. There must be times, though, when it all gets a little too much for you or you're feeling low. What do you do to help reset, bounce back and recharge? Yes, good question. I binge on movies. <laughs> I garden and I draw and design dream living spaces. Like I've designed the Parkinson's Community Respite Centre now. I've drawn it all up and I'm going to get the concept map drawn up shortly. I find that relaxing. Wow. Sounds stressful. Um, so <laughs> do you have um, previous background or studies or skills in in interior design or is that just a natural talent you have? It's a natural talent. I did get into architecture when I graduated high school, uh, but it meant I had to go and live in Townsville and my father was a very practical man. He said, no, you'll do teaching because when you're a mother, you get school holidays. And he wouldn't, he wouldn't, in those days, he had the purse strings and um, there wasn't, you know, scholarships and, well, I did get a scholarship, but there wasn't enough to live on. So I had to stay in Brisbane and do teaching and that, I've always loved design. So I've done bits and pieces of design all my life. Oh, that's brilliant. At least you get to still be a part of it and use the skills uh, in that area. And what's next for Nikki Kreber? People ask me, what's the timeline on getting these three Parkinson's nurses? And I could say three years ago because Parkinson's, once it begins to progress in advanced stages, in the advanced stages, very quick. And around me, I see a lot of people now entering that stage and that's when we need those Parkinson's nurses. So this year, three Parkinson's nurses, that's my goal. Do you have any words of wisdom for our listeners in, the, in following their dreams? That's a really hard one because, A, a lot of people have a problem with the word dream. I say I'm mission-driven and, and purpose-fueled and, and that to me is, is, more, is better than a dream because a dream, well, I use DVD, a desire, a vision, a dream. So you've got to have a desire and a vision and a dream, but you've got to have the desire first. You've got to have a vision of what you're going to achieve. Then it can take on the dream and putting that to reality so I think it's really important that people get to know what really enthuses them and lights up their heart space because that's when their mission and purpose starts yeah beautifully said uh, I think they're powerful words remind us again where our listeners can connect with you or get involved um yes certainly they can get involved at our association website which is http colon two forward strokes parkinson's no hyphen s just parkinson's disease community advocacy.com.au or follow us on facebook parkinson's community advocacy semicolon sunshine coast or my website is nikki n-i-double-k-i-a-creber-c-r-e-b-e-r-dot-v-i-p and i'm there nikki at NikkiAcreeba.vip. Awesome. And LinkedIn too, I presume? Oh, yes, I'm on LinkedIn. Yes. Connect there if they uh, yes. would like to and, yes. and should follow your inspirational woman. So I think 
I highly recommend that people connect with you and they can learn a lot, not just about Parkinson's, but how to be an inspiring powerhouse in the community. Nikki, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the podcast today. You're a real inspiration. Thank you so much for sharing some of your story with us. I hope everybody listening has enjoyed hearing Nikki's story. Thanks so much, Nikki. Thank you, Jeff. It's been a real pleasure. And I would encourage anyone who knows somebody making a difference in their community to think about nominating them. Thank you so much. Well, until next week, everyone, be kind and remember together we can make a difference. I hope you enjoyed today's interview as much as I have. We would love you to subscribe to our podcast so that you won't miss an episode. Join us each week as we talk with ordinary Australians achieving extraordinary things. Did you know that Awards Australia is a family-owned business that proudly makes a difference in the lives of those that make a difference for others? And we thank our corporate and not-for-profit partners for making our award programs possible. Do you know someone that's making a difference? Or maybe your business might like to sponsor an award. Contact us through our Instagram page, inspirational.australians, or head to our website, awardsaustralia.com. It would be great if you could share this episode with your network, because who doesn't like a good news story? And please rate and review us. We would really love to hear your thoughts. Until next week, stay safe. And remember, together we make a difference. Thanks for joining us today on the Inspirational Australians podcast. We hope you enjoyed listening and have been inspired by ordinary Australians achieving extraordinary things. So it's goodbye for another week. Remember, together we make a difference.